today on CityCast Philly. It feels like I-95 has been under construction forever, doesn't it? Well, get ready because more construction is coming. PennDOT is currently gearing up to redo the portion of the highway that runs from the Ben Franklin Bridge to the Walt Whitman Bridge. And those plans have some local neighborhood groups concerned that the highway will gobble up land that's used for homes and recreation. It's Monday, February 5th. I'm Trinane Uri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Inga Saffron, architecture columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Trine. This stretch of I-95 sees a lot of cars, a lot of trucks. It's a route to the airport, shopping along Columbus Boulevard, the Navy Yard, stadiums, Port of Philadelphia, and it connects PA to Jersey. Why does the southern part of I-95 need to be updated? So, you know, highways have a lifespan. The concrete, you know, crumbles and cracks and other things happen. And so this section of 95, which wasn't constructed until like the 70s, actually, is approaching the end of its lifespan. It's not at the end of its lifespan yet. There's probably like another 30 years to go. But these highway projects are so big and so complicated that PennDOT and other highway agencies, they have to start designing and planning them 30 years out. And so that's what's happening now. You know, PennDOT is is looking at really uh, 2045, 2050. What will the needs be? What, what will the condition of, of the elevated structure be? What has to be done to uh, make sure it's in good condition? Inga, this highway has already undergone major renovations in the northern part of I-95 in Philly. Can you run down how the highway changed in this part of the city? I believe they they started sort of at the city northern border and they've worked their way down and they've completed the part. I would say um, they completed the part, you know, roughly at the the latitude of Penn Treaty Park. They're actually about to start the Northern Liberties section in construction. So, you know, I remember, oh, about 15 years ago when there was a lot of similar community engagement over the Port Richmond, northern Fishtown sections. And, you know, I remember my head exploding because I couldn't understand. (laughs) I couldn't understand, you know, how it was going to change. And then there were all these meetings and I didn't even write anything at the time. I just couldn't make heads or tails of it. Mm. And, And I feel very badly about that. Because uh, very rarely do I report a story and not write it. You know, I usually figure out something. But in that case, I just, I couldn't figure it out. Anyway, so flash forward to last year when they wrapped up construction at Gerard and Allegheny. And I went to look at it and I couldn't believe what I saw. And what'd you see? I saw this massive interchange that looked like it was in Iowa. It was so big. It was so much bigger than what was there before and had all these ramps. And it was much closer to the houses. And it was really, really difficult to cross Richmond Street, which is uh, the street that separates the waterfront neighborhoods from the, I guess you could call them inland neighborhoods. I just thought it was so awful. And and I did write a column at that time about that. And, you know, when I interviewed PennDOT about it, I mean, they conceded to me <laughs> that it was way bigger than they expected. It was just a monster. And, you know, we, we've been talking 
for years about how to reconnect our neighborhoods to the riverfront, which, you know, the river, the Delaware waterfront has really blossomed. And there are a lot of amenities there. You know, Pentreaty Park has become uh, much improved. It's a real gathering place for the neighborhood. Graffiti Pier is about to be turned into a public park. There's this vast new townhouse development called North Bank with hundreds of units of housing on the river. And this this newly reconstructed I-95 is an even bigger barrier. You know, our waterfront has gotten gotten better, but the barrier has gotten worse. And this has all happened when we're having a national conversation about the way highways disconnect neighborhoods and the inequities and injustices that we've seen in cities across the country. More on why some residents and community groups take issue with the proposed expansion of I-95 after the break. This is CityCast Philly. Okay, Inga, you spoke to some neighborhood groups near the next phase of this highway project. So now we're going down 95 South. How do they feel about what's being proposed? Well, they are not happy. None of this is set in stone. PennDOT has done a preliminary study and they've created this website for different segments of this stretch between the two bridges. And uh, for each segment, they offer an analysis And they offer different options for the public to consider. And they actually call them um, high, medium, and low impact options. And it's a very complicated website. And it's very complicated for any ordinary mortal (laughs) to evaluate the high, medium, and low options because it's sort of an if this, then that situation. And so, you know, if you're not a traffic engineer, like, it's hard to understand the, the ramifications. But what is clear is that um, there are a couple of very popular recreation facilities around the highway, uh, right-of-way. One of them is the 7th and Bigler Athletic Fields. It's a athletic fields that serve all the sports, youth sports, uh, just north of the, the sports complex, just north of the Walt Whitman Bridge. There aren't that many sports fields in South Philly, and we do, as a city, have a kind of what they call a fields crisis, not enough playing fields for kids. And this is one of the few good playing fields in South Philly. And in the proposal, PennDOT wants to build a new ramp, taking at least one of those fields and the parking lot there. So um, that neighborhood is called Whitman, and um, neighbors are really, really upset, not just neighbors, but uh, the whole youth sporting community, because they draw from way, way beyond uh, Whitman. And then a little further north, there's the Frank Rizzo skating rink, which is actually underneath the highway structure. And and that would be lost as well. That's a city-owned skating rink, also very popular, and they have some other activities besides skating. Uh, So, You know, those are just two very visible examples of how our public amenities would have to be sacrificed for this reconstruction. And as I wrote, you know, calling it a reconstruction is not really wholly accurate because, you know, they don't want to reconstruct it as is. This will end up being a widening. Uh, And that's a concern, too, because it means it could mean eminent domain. 
taking houses and businesses to make room for the wider structure. Uh, it could mean that the structure ends up closer to, to homes as, as the northern part did. I also kind of went through the website and like you said, if you're not a transportation engineer, uh, you may not really quite understand every little thing. Um, so I was grappling with it as well. You know, in this case, does PennDOT need to do communication differently when we talk about feedback from the community? Like hearing from communities earlier on in the planning stages, which it sounds like they're still in. And how do they incorporate that feedback a little bit earlier? You know, to be fair to PennDOT, this is early. They haven't made any final decisions. I think, you know, the website could be clearer and more user-friendly. And, and they will have in-person meetings. And we're going to see a lot of, you know, elected officials like the state representatives get involved and the city council people, you know, to advocate for their constituents. So I think there will be a dialogue. What really struck me about, you know, the high, high, medium and low options and the kind of uh, rubric that they created and the videos that they created is you come away with this realization that their mindset is build a bigger, better highway. I would say they ask for community input, but they've defined what the conversation is. And that conversation does not include transit. It does not include protecting neighborhoods as a priority. It doesn't include burying highways. It doesn't include a sensibility that neighborhoods are should be primary, of primary importance. Now, you mentioned this earlier about the timeline and how agencies actually plan for these types of projects, and we might not see them finished for 30 years. <laughs> so what's the timeline for this southern part of I-95? Oh, it's, it's at least 30 years. Yeah, because, you know, first we have this community engagement process, then they're going to have to design it. And, you know, highway engineering is very complicated design work. And then, you know, they have to get contractors and they have to go section by section. You know, I mentioned earlier that they did the section in Northern Fishtown and Port Richmond, and now they're about to do Northern Liberties. It's a process. It's a process. You know, the world's going to be a very different place. I was just going to ask you, what do you want to tell <laughs> our future selves in like 30 years when this is done? You know, I hope, I hope, you know, climate change is really bearing down on us. And do we want to make roads that are wider and then encourage people to drive, even if they're driving electric cars? You know, shouldn't we be planning for transit? There's talk now of developing the sports complex, you know, making it more mixed use. Why aren't we talking about transit? Why are we just assuming that the car is going to rule forever? And, you know, climate change, is, we, we know how hot last summer was and how warm this winter was. It's not going away. And, you know, it can get a little depressing when you think about all these different players and all the decisions that have to be made and how little coordination there is between them and these different agencies, uh, different policy goals. So, Inga... I guess the bottom line here, there's stakeholders, there's the public input. What ways can residents give their feedback or feel like they're being heard? And we have the public agencies working together in a more harmonious way. 
well, I mean, I do, I do think, you know, there was a lot of interest in this project before I wrote my piece. And I think, you know, now people are, have a clear idea of what's going on. And I, I do think, you know, it is great that PennDOT has this website. I think at one point, so many people got on the website that it crashed. <laughs> uh, so I think people are going to have to lobby for their interests. And, you know, I do see legislators like uh, Representative Fiedler and uh, Senator uh, Saval getting involved. And I'm sure Councilman Squilla, I'm not sure if Kenyatta Johnson covers some of that Southern part, but, you know, I fully expect them to be weighing in. And, and of course, our new mayor, Sherelle Parker, and, uh, you know, I expect our governor <laughs> to be looking out for the interests of these neighborhoods because, you know, these are very precious places. This is what makes Philadelphia, Philadelphia. And like, are we going to wreck neighborhoods so people can like exit the sports complex five minutes faster? I mean, that is just crazy. That's Inga Saffron, architecture columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thank you for breaking this all down with me on CityCast Philly. It's my pleasure, today. Read more of Inga's column and more about this project by clicking the links in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you enjoyed this episode about the future of I-95, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. Be sure to sign up for our morning newsletter, Hey Philly, to learn more about what else Philly's talking about. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.